Hello and welcome to the Black Belt and Thinking webinar. So the purpose of this webinar is to introduce you to a practical tool you can use in your life to take away and actually improve things with. <laughs> so with that in mind, we're going to have um, a very interesting speaker today. We've got uh, my guest, Shandell, who will be talking to us about framing for outcomes. Now, given her uh, experience with uh, being a master trainer in NLP, uh, coaching and hypnosis, and a master uh, timeline therapy trainer. This is going to be a very interesting presentation, so I strongly recommend you get your uh, pen and paper or perhaps Evernote or whatever you've got out ready to go. We will have 15 minutes for Q&A at the end, um, so get ready with some questions there. And for those, uh, please pop them in the Q&A section um, of, of Zoom rather than the chat. If you can, it's just easier for us to work through them uh, in an organized fashion at the end like that. But other than that, yeah, get your, get your notes out and get ready to um, take them down for how to learn about framing for outcomes. So over to you, Shindel. Thank you so much. And what a great pleasure it is to be here with you guys today. Um, I'm going to, um, I've got a couple of slides here. I'm just wondering if I can, uh, I, I can be spotlighted on the screen here so that they come up and, um, yep, beautiful. Thank you so much for yep. that. Um, really fantastic to be here. I want to um, thank all of you for jumping on. I think that the learning is just such an important thing and there's always different hacks and different things that we can do to make sure that we're being more efficient and more effective and particularly when it comes to dealing with other people uh, and making decisions and communicating with them, um, things can go awry. And so what I've got here for you today is um, a tool that I've developed called Framing for Outcomes, as Peter said. Um, and I'm going to take you through this process, give you a couple of different contexts um, where you can use it and um, um, where you can utilize it and, and explain to you what it is. So um, we'll crack on into the content and uh, I just want to acknowledge everybody for putting the time aside um, and being here today uh, investing in yourself. So as I said, um, this tool that I've developed is called Framing for Outcomes, which is uh, getting traction with your communication and also um, making better decisions, being more congruent in that when you're dealing with other people as well. And so um, I, I dislike it when people spend an entire seminar talking about themselves. I promise you I won't do that. Uh, but just for way of introduction, for those of you that haven't met me before, as stated, uh, I am a master trainer of neuro linguistic programming or NLP as it's commonly known and for those of you that may not be familiar with NLP uh, it's an art and science on how people make decisions what makes them behave the way that they do and how we can use the language of our mind to get better outcomes with ourselves and others so um, I'm a published author I, I, I wrote a book called Confident Closing we grew a business by 400% in just six months using some of these tools of which I'll introduce to you today um, I do a lot of work in the sales strategy area bringing together psychology and strategy in the sales process. And I've been in business in corporates, dealing with enterprise across multiple different industries for more than 20 years. Before I was a trainer, uh, I did a lot of work with sales teams and project teams. And so familiar with some of the challenges that can come up when there's multiple people involved in a project. And so um, one of the things that I'd love to do for you guys, and I'll get Peter to pop this into the chat for us so that that way you can access it. I'd love to gift everybody a copy of my book, um, which is uh, an audio book confident closing number of different things around interpreting behaviors from other people and how you can get better at it so um, that's my gift to you guys if you want to access that then um, you can definitely grab grab that via that link there so um, what I see as being the biggest challenge why why are we going to share this stuff with you well often what can happen when we're trying to produce outcomes when we're trying to make decisions uh, when we're trying to communicate with uh, whether it be external stakeholders or it be um, within teams or you know even just with uh, family and friends sometimes you know this is, communication happens on all platforms decision making happens on all platforms there's often a lot of misunderstanding about outcomes you know there's multiple different styles of communication which I'll go through a little bit today as part of the presenting this tool for you but one of the biggest challenges is around the fact that there's a lot of assumption that goes on in our in our thinking because things are normal and present to us 
And so um, we, we just assume that other people get it in the same way that we do. And so you're going to look at this tool as a way of overcoming assumption, um, ab absolutely stamping out the, the, the miscommunication and the misunderstanding that happens in our communication and sometimes even in our own thinking process. So um, this tool can be used to problem solve as well. Um, and the other thing is that we don't often have any structure to our requests. And um, I'll, I'll explain a little bit more about that in just a second. But the really issue often we find like those are the perceived issues or the challenges but the real issue we often find is that there's a lack of conscious awareness in our communication I'm not sure whether you guys are aware but we actually are processing 11 million bits of information per second and we're only capable of being able to choose and focus on 126 bits now just conceptualize that for a moment imagine that I hand you like 11 million Mentos right in one second and in one second you have to try and count out if you don't know we might have people like on from all over the world you know those little minties those like mints that you find at conferences it's the their mentos so um or mentos um so you know we imagine i'm throwing all of those at you like in a second and in one second that same second you have to count out 126 of them like it just wouldn't happen so your brain is this amazing supercomputer that's processing all of this data but the people next to you and the ones you're communicating with they're also processing all of this data and we're choosing different bits of information every single second so we're going to bring in some conscious awareness to our communication um, sometimes we will have a lack of boundaries in the way in which they communicate as well so for example uh, you know you might be very clear on your deadline and what needs to happen what steps need to go 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 forward but we've not communicated that and so you know someone gets a task and they think that you know it's it's easy for them to be able to put that off or do it next week or they don't understand the urgency or maybe they do it in a really big hurry and you only needed it like next month and they missed another deadline because you gave them something that they prioritized to the front of the queue um, and the other thing is that there's often no clarity in our communication so here's takeaway number one guys takeaway number one is the meaning of the communication is the response that you get so what do I actually mean by that um, well I, uh, I I have a, sh a quick story to share with you that may help you to conceptualize this and so it was many many years ago I was working in corporate had a team of people that I was project leading and um, uh, a couple of them came to me and asked for a few things right um, there was a guy named Ken, there was a guy named Tony. So Tony comes in and he says, oh, Shondell, I need you to help me put together this project map and we've got to get it to the client. And, you know, if you can do that, that'd be really fantastic. And I said, yeah, not a problem. And then about a half an hour to an hour later, Ken came to me and he says, oh, Shondell, we've got this really important thing that we need to do. We've got to put this presentation and the scope of work together for this client. Um, you know, can we do that? And, um, and I said, yep, not a problem. And I put it in my, uh, my, my pile, you know, of the things in the queue of what I need my work in progress. And, um, half an hour later, Ken comes back and he says to me, Hey, how are you going with that presentation and all of that stuff that we needed to do? And I said, Oh, look, I'm working on something for Tony. Um, you know, he needs it ASAP. So I'm getting to it. And he goes, but I've got to get out there in an hour. So I rang Tony and I said, Hey, you know, Ken's come, he's got something really important. He's got a deadline. When do you need yours by? Cause you said ASAP. And he goes, Oh, for me next week is fine. Right. So you know, the communication that we use, uh, the, the, the response that we get is indicative of how we communicate what we're actually asking for. Both those gentlemen asked me to complete this stuff ASAP. So I prioritized them in the order that they came to me, but that didn't, didn't necessarily mean that that was the deadline. So the meaning of the communication is the response you get. And many of us are not actually communicating. What generally happens is we get upset or we make value judgments against people. Who's ever been in that situation where you go and ask somebody for something and you're like how dense is that guy you just didn't get it right like I mean I was so clear in my communication so what what I created after working with a number of different teams across multiple different industries I do a lot of work in the IT space in the franchising space um, I work with people in service businesses I work with people across all different project um, organizations and what I recognized was that a lot of people were um, you know technically brilliant so so this tends to be a thing that is even more so um, or more, even more of a problem when we have people that are technically brilliant, like they're so well versed in being able to design things and they're super technical. Um, but then when it comes to the art of being able to communicate anything that's not technical and to set boundaries and frames around that, they need a structure to follow. And so um, that was my motivation to create this tool. And it's a pleasure to be able to share it with you today. So 
Um, I'm keeping an eye on the Q&A for everybody as well. So if there's more to come through, then please feel free to pop your uh, questions and things like that. I know Peter will be helping us out as well. So um, let's talk about what is for framing for outcomes. So what we know about from our studies in NLP and neurolinguistic programming is we know that there are multiple different ways to communicate with people with different learning styles, with different filters, with different belief systems. And so what we've been able to do is draw together a number of those different criteria for different learning styles to encompass into this framing for outcomes tool. And as I said, this is something that you can use in multiple contexts. So um, you can use this tool with yourself simply to run through the options for a project to get clear on what you want to communicate to make decisions about what's going to be the best outcome. You can also utilize it in a phone conversation. So for those of you that sometimes when you get on the phone, you forget to mention certain things, you can do a little quick brainstorm and actually create this and then have the conversation based on your guided notes. Um, you can utilize it in email communication, informal communication. Um, you can put it in your different CRM programs and things like that, that you might be tracking activity or project plans, project management tool software etc so um, what it does is it actually reduces the confusion of what we're asking for and sets parameters for people to actually stand by um, it allows for the multiple different learning styles that a lot of different people have um, and it creates efficiency and effectiveness to produce outcomes and so as we start to get into you know what this is I think it's really important to recognize that there are some people who actually will process their information so you might like to take some notes on this um, because you may have some conscious awareness of this but perhaps you don't bring it into your planning for your communication so there are some people that will um, need to have an overview so let's say that I was meeting with you one-on-one -on -one. one of the questions that I might ask you is you know if we were going to do a project together would you like to know kind of the vision and everything that we want to achieve or would you need to know all of the particulars and the details or would you need to know both and so there would be some of you that would answer, no, I just need the big picture and then I can make an informed decision about whether it's something I'm interested in pursuing. Some of you would say, well, give me the vision first and then I'll need some details. I'll ask which ones I need. Some people need all of the details because they can't conceptualize the big picture. And then there are some people that need a little bit of both in whichever order, as I mentioned before. So that's one aspect. And a lot of the time um, we neglect to notice, like we'll use our own communication style to communicate with others. So if you noted which one was your preference, so whether you're a vision person, a big picture, or whether you're a details person, what you'll recognize is that generally that's the way that you communicate with others. And so for me personally, I need the big picture first. And if I don't have the big picture, I find it really hard to follow details for people so much so, and I told you that this might work with you know friends and family as well <laughs> in fact I had a, a couple who saved their marriage using this tool so stay tuned if you're looking to uh, improve the communication in your relationship as well you can use it there too so um, one of the things that I recognize in in um, you know communication is that often and it happens a lot in in couples we had a couple that couple uh, that utilized this is that you know he was very big picture he just wanted kind of like the big picture what do you want from me darling you know give me give me the big picture get to the point where she was all details and she wanted to tell him the whole story before she actually got to her request and this used to frustrate him and also it made her feel um you know miss um not mistreated that's not the right word she it made her feel misunderstood perhaps maybe not as important that he didn't have the patience to listen to her story that he didn't care what she needed when in actual fact it was just a bit of a, a mismatch in communication style now um, I know I used an example that's not necessarily a professional one however this stuff can happen in our teams too like you might be leading a project and you've got people on the team you need to create an outcome you ask for something and that person's looking for clarification you cut them off because it's not your communication style Style and they move away feeling you know unappreciated or that you know you're you're a tyrant to work for because you never listen to them or you know all sorts of terrible things can happen as a result of our communication going awry so let's look at the tool let's um 
Let's take some uh, some notes on this, guys, and um, let's have a look at the tool. So um, our framing for outcomes method consists of four different quadrants, right? So um, I'll give you the overview and the big picture first for those of you that might be big picture, and then I'll chunk down on each of the particular areas. Now, what I want to encourage everybody to do is to actually take some, some notes on each of these segments because I'm going to challenge you to do this task before the end of the day so that you can solidify your learning. So make sure that you're taking lots notes um, I'm a big fan I didn't mention it in my introduction but I'm a big fan of implementation and so what you'll see is that I'll give you some examples and some stories along the way so that you can grab where you can use this um, but it's no good if you just have a bunch of really great notes from this webinar today and then you never utilize the tool so your results are going to come from actually implementing it so I'm going to share those examples as you as we go through this process so the very first part of the framing for outcomes that I mentioned before is that there are some people that are really big picture um, and they need to know the intention or they need to know the vision or they need to know the understanding of well what are we doing this for why sometimes are we doing this and so when we look at um, this um, uh, this 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 framework uh, I I know that sometimes people will actually have the context so clear in their mind I mean let's face it if you've been working on a project for six months you already have you know solidified your vision for the project because you've been working on it for six months so it's day in it's second second nature to you so you know we start with the big picture which help us helps us to set context and the best way to understand context is a little metaphor that i use um, imagine that you know i want to, i'm going to offer you a cup of coffee now i i also know that if i just brought over a coffee pot and i just poured it in front of you on the table you're probably a bit pretty upset because that wasn't what i actually offered you i offered you a cup of coffee so i first have to give you the cup to then put the coffee into and so a lot of us are pouring coffee all over the desks of our colleagues when we give them all of the details and the content of what we want without actually mm. giving them a container to hold it in first so I know it's a little bit of a corny metaphor um, and not many of us are pouring coffee on our colleagues obviously but I think that it's really important to remember that sometimes there are people that absolutely need to have a container to put our requests and our knowledge into the second part is about what specifically are we actually wanting from them? This is where we give our instructions. This is the content. This is those details, people. And then we've got a segment here that most of the time gets missed out of the communication, which is our next steps and our deadline. So the order and sequence, I'll unpack that a little bit more as we go through line by line. And then the final piece is our follow up. And this is almost always missed out. Um, and I'm going to talk to you about boundaries, um, consequences and rewards, and that'll make more sense in terms of that follow-up process so um, I'm keeping an eye on the chat there um, and the cues and sorry the Q&A as well so um, I think we've already got a question in there maybe Peter can um, answer that as we come through the the content at the Q&A at the end we're doing Q&A at the end right so yeah Beautiful, excellent. So um, thank you for the questions coming through. Keep them coming through guys and we'll come to them um, towards the end of the presentation. So um, let's have a look first at our very first box here, which is the intention and the big picture. This is our context. So as I said before, what we really want to be doing is giving people a container to be able to hold this in. And so we often will just go straight into our request or we'll go straight into the details of the things that we need. Um, my father is an illuminations engineer. And um, one of the things that I know about engineers and mathematicians and scientists is they tend to go explaining the details first before they set context. And so I've had many an argument with my father where I'll stop him and I'll say, dad, dad, why are you telling me this? Just stop, hold up for a second. Tell me, why are you telling me this? <laughs> so many of us forget to set context for people, particularly for people. I don't know if any of you, of the, any of the listeners are the kinds of people that do a lot of internal dialogue. There's sometimes, you know, people do a lot of internal processing, meaning that they run things through in their head. And so um, sometimes if we run things through in our head before we actually go to communicate with other people, we can think that we've actually set context, but we're already halfway through the journey. So um, really important for us to know our intention or our big picture. Now, what does that actually mean? Um, what it means is we want to be asking ourselves before we communicate or before we're making a decision, we want to be asking, what's the intention of my communication here? Um, what is it that I actually 
actually am trying to communicate what is the outcome that I'm trying to achieve. And by doing that, we actually start to create for ourselves a bit of a framework or we start to build a container for the audience. So let, let's say, for example, um, that you have um, a, a team of people and you want them to do um, uh, some kind of time management, you want them to utilize a time management system or you want them to track their progress in, in what they're doing or perhaps maybe they're not um, keeping their notes or their doco on the processes that they're doing, etc. So what we really want to do is we want to, rather than just telling them that they must do X, Y and Z and giving them an instruction, we want to set a context for why that's important. And most importantly, one of the things that people do in their communication, um, so, so next to intention and big picture, you want to put context, you want to put why am I about to communicate as your notes. And then in addition to that, what you want to do is you want to think about what is the value of why for the person you're asking this from. So for example, if I was going to be having a conversation with a team member about data entry on their time entries or some kind of project management system that allows me to track things, I know that a lot of people make assumptions that that leads to micromanagement or that we're thinking that they're not doing their jobs correctly or something like that. So we want to stamp out all of those objections by setting the context around what's in it for them. Why are we asking them to do this that will actually benefit them? So we want to start to be thinking about what's their motivation to take action. Now, in a client engagement, it might be, you know, I'm, I'm giving you this overview because as we go through this project, we need to be really clear on what it is that you need from us so that we're not putting in variations or we're not looking at, you know, um, you know, trying to change the project plan mid midway, which could be costly to you. So we really want to make sure that we stay on track and that the project doesn't become costly for you. So that's an example of setting context. It's an example of the big picture and that frame for outcomes. So here's takeaway number two, guys. Uh, takeaway number two is context. If the context is clear, then, whoops, I'm having a little tech issue here. Let me do that. Um, so uh, if the context is clear, then the, to the communicator, it, it, it's sometimes rarely passed on to um, it, it passed on in the communication. So remember that the context may be clear to you, but that as the communicator, but we rarely pass that on in the communication. So make sure you always set context. And, you know, even if you're not a big picture or are not a vision person, one of the things that you need to know about learning styles is, and, and we may present this at a, at a later date, we have a, um, a, a technique called the format system. This is learning styles. And so they actually go in a particular order. A why person, which is the first learning style, cannot listen unless someone has given them a vision or a why they need to be motivated to listen. So you could start with my framing for outcomes method and muddle up the order and it wouldn't work as efficiently. So we always start with the big picture first and the why first, okay? Um, so let's look at the second quadrant um, of the framing for outcomes process. And second quadrant here is around what specifically or what specific instructions do we actually want Want to undertake. So this is where you people who love details, this is where you can go for your life. But most importantly, what's really important about this is if you want somebody to actually follow an order in sequence, it's important for you to know what specifically what the next steps are and what the details are and to frame this in the specific instruction. Um, a lot of the time, people will give an instruction um, and they will, um, they do the process um, quite unconsciously. Like who's ever been on autopilot? This is, this is another little example for you guys to conceptualize this for me, right? Who's ever been in the car and you've, um, you've taken uh, the road, you're, you know, driving home from work or you're driving home from wherever you've been and uh, you're driving along and you arrive in your driveway or in the garage and uh, you realize, oh my God, I can't remember the last 10 minutes of this journey. <laughs> I have no idea what I was thinking. <laughs> and so this is what we call autopilot or actually the technical term for it is called unconscious competence. That is when we operate on autopilot and we kind of just do things intuitively because we've done them so many times. Now, if you're a leader and you're leading teams to do things all the time, what you probably recognize is that your way of doing things is quite on autopilot, but we may not be making allowances for people who perhaps are only doing it for the second or the third time, or they do it intermittently. So what we want to do here is we want to showcase what specifically do we want them to do. So 
in the example that I shared earlier with the Ken and Tony example, um, probably a better way for them to frame that up would have been to actually say, look, what I specifically need you to do, like here's the, the vision for the project that I need to do. Um, what I need you to do is to collate this document, this document, this document for the scope of works, and it needs to be ready um, and put together by no later than this date. And, you know, please let me know if you can actually do that. Otherwise, I might need to make some alternative arrangements. So it would have been much more specific in the instruction of the, the documents that I needed to gather for them, how I needed to put them together, um, what other parties we needed to bring in um, into the process, uh, because there were other, you know, there was a technical salesperson and there was a salesperson. So we actually needed some other people to come in. Um, and the project lead was across what was going on as well, along with me. So um, I think it's really important that you're clear on your instructions. So if you need some guidelines on how to do this for yourself when you're preparing this, the question you ask yourself is that if I was going to do this myself and I was doing it step by step as if I was learning it for the first time, what would be the three or four action items that I would follow in order for me to know that I would totally nail it? Or what would be the content pieces that that I would absolutely need to know that if I didn't have them, this could potentially fail as a request. So I think it's really important just to jot down a couple of dot points and a couple of notes on that so that you can speak to that. Now, as I said to you, this can be utilized in many different contexts. You can jot down a couple of notes to prompt you on a phone conversation or in a meeting. Um, it could be used in a formal email where you actually outline something along with a proposal document or a scope of works or something along those lines. So this is our content. So if you like, this is the coffee that we're putting inside the cup, right? So um, I'm keeping an eye on the chat. Great to have um, those questions coming through. Please keep them coming through, guys. Great to have you, um, you know, participating fully. And I'm looking forward to actually addressing some of those. So as we look at the next part of the process, step three is to be clear on our next steps and our deadline. So this is about order and sequence. Um, I don't know how many of you might cook or you have friends and family that cook, that cook, but there are certain recipes and things that you put together that you can't put them together in a reverse order. Just like this framing for outcomes method. If you did it from the bottom up, it wouldn't work anywhere near as well. In fact, it would probably create confrontation in your conversation and you'll see why in a minute. So the thing is, is that there needs sometimes with, with projects that we're doing, there needs to be next steps and deadlines. There needs to be things that we understand that we are one cog that fits into a big project and I think that for many of you that might be listening or watching this recording uh, many of you may know that in your project there are certain things that have to happen and if they don't happen then it delays other things in the project right so it's really important that we have clarity and if we come back actually if I if I put the slides backwards a second here and we come back to this intention and the big picture if you do have a project request that it not being done by a certain time is actually going to delay other parts of the project it's really important to put that context in that in that overview so um, as you start to work through you see that some of these elements can influence others and it prompts you to think about oh well, uh, damn, I forgot out of their big intention or the vision that this is actually a really integral part of the project. So I better pop that in. So I'll come back to next steps and deadline. Um, some of us are good at being able to give an order and a sequence because if we're process driven, then we know, you know, step one is this, step two is that, you know, this is how it works in the process. However, um, a lot of the time we're not specifying a deadline. You know, urgent is not a deadline. ASAP is definitely not a deadline by four o'clock is a deadline. You know, by Tuesday at four o'clock next week, there, that is a deadline. So um, <clears throat> it's really important to understand that if we actually pop a deadline in there, then people have something to work to and they actually know clearly what it is that we want them to understand. Um, <clears throat> that's a great question. I cannot wait to answer that one. Thank you so much. So um, the next framework uh, is the final piece in in the um, in the puzzle which is the follow-up so this almost is uh, is non-existent in most contexts in fact it doesn't matter which industry I'm working in it doesn't matter whether it's sales professionals technical people um, engineers um, vets and doctors or dentists it's almost never present and th this is our follow-up um, and What's really important is that it says there in brackets, deliver a consequence or a, a reward. So in the framing for your outcomes, I think that it's really important to reference the fact that 
if something happens that it's not able to happen, this is the consequence of that. If something does happen, then this is the reward or this is the benefit that we'll see all together. Now, um, it's really interesting because I, I, I would like to use a couple of a couple of examples of where we've where we've utilized this just to kind of help um, you know solidify that a little bit more. Um, there was a, a, a general manager um, of a big logistics company uh, that we've worked with extensively who had a challenge where um, he his team turnover so he had people in operations he had people in sales he had a whole team um, you know finance and accounts and what was really interesting was the entire business was turning over its staff really really quickly um, you know when he, from when he came into the role uh, and when he um, within six months of being there I think they turned over the team twice right so they were hiring like that's a really that's a big impact I saw your reaction yeah. there, Peter. I'm sure a lot of people <laughs> listen in and going man that's really bad right so so they turned over the team a number of times and um, and they brought me in to do a leadership program and um, to figure out what was going wrong in his communication and his leadership and what was really interesting was that one of the first principles that I shared with this gentleman was the framing for outcomes method and what we learned from a, a day or two of observation in the office was that um, there was no clarity on what actually needed to be done and then of course there'd be spot fires to put out and usually the instruction was one that was um, extremely heated with a lot of emotion as well and not much clarity and guidelines on what to fix or why it even mattered needed to fix it so people were getting um, rubbed up the wrong way for lack of better term and, and thinking well this is all too hard it's too stressful I don't want to be here so within um, you know a, a couple of weeks of working with this gentleman and teaching the framing for outcomes method um, not only did um, did there start to be a lot more synergy deadlines being met people being clear about what they needed to do having guidelines having leadership really you know at the end of the day um, it, it actually made a huge impact and it's seven years uh, since I delivered that program uh, and the gentleman has still has exactly the same team so um, it's pretty incredible so um, it, and and they they are actually uh, I think the top performing business in the country so it's a state business and and the top performing business in the country so um, this can go a long way in team synergy as well so um, we've got we've got um, some some great frameworks here now of course you know there's always there's always place for conversation right but if we're not clear in the intention then it leaves people to make their own assumptions about what you need when you need it now this is not to say that we can't have a dialogue you know you might send this to somebody and then as part of the end of the program at the end of the um the documentation for the frames you might turn around and say to them look you know if you think there's a better way if you think there's an opportunity for us to tighten this up I'd love to hear your thoughts or your ideas or please contribute you know a couple of solutions that you have in mind there's nothing wrong with that uh, but if we give no guidelines then we really don't know what assumptions people are going to make at the other end and I think that that's really important but coming back to the follow-up the delivery uh, and the outcome this is about um, this is about consequences and rewards. Now, I know that that sounds really, really um, harsh, particularly in a business environment, right? But many of you are familiar with this idea of people are motivated either by the carrot or they're motivated by the stick, yeah? So um, that's what we call classically in NLP, away from or toward motivation. So I'm either motivated from moving away from a consequence or a potential punishment or something that, you know, I might get a warning, I might lose a client, I might, you know, have an altercation with a client so I may be motivated to act based on the fact that I want to move away from a potential consequence or an altercation there are some people though that are actually motivated by possibility so this is where they're motivated by the carrot and they're looking for the possibility of what actually can happen and you know how much easier or more effortless this could be or how much more streamlined or effective this could be so we want to be able to highlight to people the impact if you like, if you don't like the word consequence, because some people think of punishment, and I, I don't want to, I don't want to trigger anybody into remembering their childhood or their school days. <laughs> but if we think about the impact or a negative impact that could happen if the person is unable to meet the criteria or the deadline, as well as a positive in, impact that can happen. Now, again, this is one of those areas where people will often be in a position where they actually will. Think about the impact for themselves as opposed to thinking about the impact for the client. So, for example, mm. 
let's say that you've just put together a scope of works for a client and they need to do their pre-rex checklist or their kickoff meeting and they need to you know bring together a bunch of people and there might be you know six or seven people that you need to bring to this meeting and you're having trouble getting two of them you know client wants to proceed but you don't want to because you know that's going to lead to a bunch of variations down the track when we're you know mid-program and this person finally pops up their head and says hey but i want this and it's like well you weren't at the pre-kick the pre-rex meeting or you weren't at the kickoff meeting so you know these things can sometimes get in the way that might be an example where you'd use framing for outcomes and you'd say look you know the intention of the kickoff session is for us to achieve all of these goals you know what we need to do next is we need to sign off on this this and this which you know needs this person from that department this person from that department this person from that department I appreciate that you know you'd like to get this moving and so not being able to get those two people may seem like it's not a big deal to you in the overall scope of the project it actually is because here's the consequences of not having that and we would want to make sure now here's the benefit for them right we would want to make sure that we can deliver everything that you need that's on scope and on budget and the consequence of not having them there could lead to costly variations for you down the track and we really don't want that to happen so we want to make sure that it's on cost on budget on scope and you know not have variations. so we're highlighting what's in it for them again in the consequences and the rewards rather than what's in it for us or what's in it for me as you write the email or as you discuss this situation so the final thought on that is that I'd like to give you takeaway number three. I'll pop that back on the screen there for you with my slides. And takeaway number three is the that assumption is the mother of all misunderstanding. So if you take nothing else away from what we've chatted about it today with framing for outcomes, please stop assuming that people know exactly what you're talking about. Just because it's in your head doesn't mean you've actually communicated it. And so when we're using the framing from, for outcomes method and we're getting feedback from our audience, um, you know from the people that we're communicating with it, it is designed to create dialogue as opposed to being um, prescriptive or for being like an like an order um, however it allows clarity if an order is at like if you actually need to give somebody an instruction it does allow for that clarity but there is room to tweak each of these segments to invite feedback to invite um, a, a uh, opportunity for the person to actually say that they understood now this is not part of the framing for outcomes but I often I often teach it when I teach framing for outcomes I don't know how many of you um, have read the checklist manifesto or um, you've uh, you've looked into checklists and procedures the difference between the both um, one of the things that we know from aviation is that there's a lot of checklists there's a lot of checkpoints that actually come in um, in that process and so um, if you know someone who's in aviation a pilot or if you know someone or maybe you are a pilot yourself one of the things that hey, they I am as that two weeks ago excellent Congratulations. <laughs> <laughs> that is awesome you got your license two weeks ago did you Peter yeah yeah oh, well the government's still processing it but I passed the flight test <laughs> oh that, that 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 calls for a celebration so everybody uh everybody send a, a hey yeah in the chat or or something like that for peter well done and so what you know is when you call through it to a control tower right there's often a thing that they do in aviation called a readback right and the readback actually maybe peter can tell us what's the purpose of a readback peter <laughs> uh let's make sure you got the information right so anything critical has to be read back for example out of banks down where i fly when you're given clearance to take off, you have to specifically say which runway. So they'll say clearance for take, you know, clear for takeoff runway two nine right. You have to repeat clear for takeoff runway two nine right because you know obvious reasons. <laughs> yeah, and and that is because you know as as intelligent as we all are, there's a flaw in human behaviour that we miss detail sometimes, or that you know we think we understood something, but because we're processing 11 million bits of information per second, the 126 bits that the pilot actually picked up on might be different from what the radio control tower person actually said and so you know it's really important that we do this readback now i think that what's what's super important is that we don't look at this as being a prescriptive process and we don't look at it as being tyrants in our workforce we want to encourage dialogue dialogue and so when we talk about the the checklists and the readback please don't think that i'm asking you to go to your teams or go to your clients and then ask them to tell you hey you know so 
you tell me what you're going to do. Can you read back what I just said to you? It's a metaphor, guys, right? So I think what's important is getting that checkpoint. And if people look like they might be struggling to understand what, you know, what you've asked of them, then you invite the feedback. You invite them to ask questions and, and most importantly, you might even want to encourage them to say, you know, or you could ask the question like this, you could say, you know, let me know what's your plan of attack. So, you know, given the nature of how important this is, given our deadlines, given the consequences or the impact of not getting it done, what's your plan of attack? Do you need any support? And getting them to actually walk you through in, in a dialogue, you know, what they plan to do based on what they've understood. So um, I've... Um, I think we're just about at our time for some q and A. I I can see that there's a few there. Um, the, the one final thing that I'd like to do is I, I've got a, another gift for you. As, as you know, um, we all have different styles of communication, which, I, which I've alluded to throughout this presentation. So I've got a gift for everybody on the call. If you're curious about how your communication might be killing your results, <laughs> um, this is the keys to effective communication. It's a little test. Um, it'll reveal to you what is your preference in communication. Um, and then there's a short little um, video training which gives you an introduction to your communication style, how it may differ from other people. So we'll make sure that we get that link out to you. It may be interactive. You might be able to click on it from the webinar. Otherwise, we can pop that either in the chat or um, we can send it out to you um, post-session. Yeah, so I'll, I'll send it out with the recording. Wonderful. That would be super. So, um, so overall guys uh, action items that I'd like to challenge you encourage you to do is to you know write an email to somebody using the frames methodology you know before the end of the day you know solidify that knowledge you know we need a coffee cup we need some coffee inside we've got to give you know some instructions on you know how to pick it up and you know from which angle do you want them to pick it up and which side do you want them to sip it from you know do they need to blow on it first is it really hot um, you know and then what are the consequences if they don't do that so if they drink it too soon they might burn their mouth uh, if they, you know, drink it at the right time, then they'll have an enjoyable experience with the cup of coffee. So, you know, crude example again, but that's our method. That's our framing for outcomes method. So I'd really like to encourage you to, um, you know, print out the framing for outcomes map and put it on your desk. I'll make sure that Peter has that so that he can send it off to you guys. Um, and we have teams of people that have these printed out and put on their desk so that they can actually prompt themselves to remember, did I set context? Because for all of you, you'll have a weakness in one of the areas. You might be really good at setting the vision or you might be really good at the detail part. You might be really good at communicating deadlines and outcomes or you might be really good at being able to motivate people, carrot stick, toward away from, you know, consequences, rewards, etc. So, you know, for those of you that may think that this is common sense, you'd be surprised how many of you might miss one area consistently. So um, put it up there so that you can prompt the communication in this format and practice the method in all the conversations that you're having because it, it is very effective in the outcome. And so, you know, a couple of different examples in different contexts to share with you before we go to Q&A. Um, we had a sales manager who uh, utilized this, um, this, this framework work with the team had a bunch of team members that were you know showing up late um, you know didn't necessarily have um, their paperwork and everything that they needed in place all of the time and so they set up framing for outcomes to set a new game that they were actually going to run uh, and they, they used it as a competition so that that way whoever got their habits installed and they met the criteria within the period of a month um, were contributing to an overall reward with the team um, and if anybody if one one person in the team actually dropped any of the criteria it meant that everybody missed out on the actual reward for the team so it worked really effectively to frame the rules of the game for the conversation you know why are we doing this what's the impact to the team to the business here's what we need to do here's the rules here's how long it runs for here's what happens if you don't actually do it so that was really really good use of it I already mentioned about the husband and wife that saved their marriage uh, as a result of using framing for outcomes in their communication with each other and and I, I sort of alluded to um, an organization that we work with, an I, I, IT organization, and they utilize this in the communication with clients to reduce the impact of not bringing people to uh, the meetings that, you know, the kickoff meetings and the prereq meetings, which was leading to a lot of costly variations that, of course, their clients wanted to argue with them about later. And so what this also helps to do is it helps to put ownership back on the person who's receiving the, co the, the communication uh, mm -hmm. to ensure that there's a dialogue with that. So um, really looking forward to getting into some of these questions, Peter. Uh, have you got any to start off with? <laughs> uh, I do have a couple, uh, right. actually. 
So my first one was, um, obviously you've talked about using the tool um, as, a, as a framework yourself for, for sharing the information with others. Uh, but when you talk about the readback thing, I thought, do, do you ever use it the other way? So you get information from someone and you're not 100% sure whether you've got it correctly. You put what, you've, what you think you've got into the tool and send it back to them as a, as a check, as a readback. 100%. It works really well. And if you're in a dialogue, like that works if you've got an email correspondence or something that's written down that's static. Um, however, if you're in a dialogue with someone, this is where the power of questions comes up, right? So um, to be able to ask people the questions, I, I, I joked and I, I mentioned about how I've had many an altercation with my father where he'll give me a long-winded, detailed <laughs> instruction. And, you know, I'll say, hang on a second, Dad, hang on. You know, why are you telling me all of this? What, what do you want me to know? Well, where are we going with this? So that actually helps me to then bring him back to giving me the big picture. So you can actually utilize the same methodology if there's a part of the process. So, okay, so you're giving me instruction, Mr. Client. So what specifically would you like me to start with? It's my, it's my assumption from what you've said, or it's my understanding from what you've said that you want me to proceed in X, Y, Z order. Is that correct? Or is there a different way? So hundred percent, it works for dialogues, not just for monologues. <laughs> yeah, nice. Beautiful. All right. Uh, I have one more, but I might might go to the uh, everyone else's question. Let first. everybody get a go <laughs> first. Okay, we yep. can come back to yours again. <laughs> now, did you want to read them out, or did you want me to? Or um, yeah, I can read them out. the mm. The first one is, uh, can you share the recording later? And we definitely will. So that's that's easy. Um, then I'm going to jump to the last one, which is from Steve saying, "Can you please put up the slide with all the steps again?" Oh, yes. Uh, I will I will send this out, but if it goes up now, people can take a screenshot and take it down. 100%. Yep. Let me pop that up on the screen there for you. I will just put it back for the, the big picture. There we go. So there is the big picture on the screen for you. Winning. All right. Cool. Excellent. All right. Another question here from Anonymous. This is very uh, this is very prescriptive. Do you have do you ever have people um, complaining that they have no freedom of choice, i.e. they get told what to do and when to do it and in which order? That's an awesome question. I, I saw that one pop up and I want to thank the person who, who answered that, who asked that one, because I, it shows me that there's a great level of critical thinking in, you know, the way in which you're looking at this, because, you know, to be able to conceptualize that and, and, and to imagine it actually playing out in a team, it shows me that you're already thinking about utilizing this tool, which is fantastic. So um, I, I think that um, it depends on the languaging that you put in each step. Like what we want to do is we want to, to use influential language as opposed to being um, authoritarian in our language. I think there wants to be a certain amount of it, it, the answer. Let me give the answer this way. So yes, it could be if misused because it could seem like a, a dictation to somebody. However, what we do know is that if we don't have any framework, then generally we don't get our outcomes because people have so many different styles of communication that they then leave it up to the assumption. And don't get me wrong, I don't think that there's anybody out there who's intentionally wanting to do a, a, a poor job. Like this is not a judgment on people in your team or clients or colleagues or anything like that. It's more that because people's methods are so different, if we don't give a framework for people to work within, then we leave it open to interpretation and the interpretation may not get us the outcome. So I, I think that it has the potential to be prescriptive in answer to that question. Um, in, often if you've got a project or you've got deadlines or you've got something that needs to be delivered, there's only a certain amount of freedom and choice anyway. Like we have to deliver on our outcomes. So we have to give people some guidelines and, and that's really set by what the content is that you put in each of these segments. So you can make it non-confrontational and non dictate 
dictatorship or non-authoritarian by the nature of the language that you use. Like for example, our team and our, and our clients who have sales teams, they actually utilize framing for outcomes for um, emails that they follow up sales conversations. So it's kind of like, you know, it was great to chat to you about X, Y, and Z, you know, here's the next steps. Um, you know, if we, if we um, you know, kick off on this by this date, then we'll be able to take advantage of this this wonderful thing that we chatted about. Consequence of not doing it before close of business Friday is that you'll miss out on all that extra value that we were chatting about. And, you know, here we go, we can do it this way. However, you know, if there's an opportunity um, to, uh, you know, do something a little bit different, or if you've got some guidelines, then please communicate it back to me. So I was talking about that in terms of the opportunity for questions and the opportunity for feedback. So, yeah. Hopefully that's answered the question for you. <laughs> Pretty thorough. <laughs> All right. So another one here. Uh, so you mentioned that we need to apply consequence slash rewards when criteria are or aren't met. Mm -hmm. What what if people do the right thing, but the outcome's still not achieved? In brackets, perhaps because of others have not played ball. Yeah, that's a really, really, really good question. So um, I'm going to use a little bit of an example that's outside the context of this, if it's okay to like answer the, as part of the answer to this question. So one of the things that um, that I do is um, uh, what we call uh, personal breakthrough work with professionals. So this is where people have itty, what I call the itty bitty shitty committee. It's the group of people that sit on their shoulder and tell them why they can't <laughs> do what they want to do. Um, and so we do, you mentioned in my introduction that I'm also an instructor of hypnotherapy. We do timeline therapy, NLP, and these are all about the language of the mind and how it affects our results. So in that context, when I'm doing this breakthrough work with these individuals, um, there's a, some assignments and some things that they need to do between the sessions in order to get a result. And so one of the things, there's, there's an element of criteria in this. So the first thing is, is that I've made sure that I've designed the tasks that get them a result. So the question is, have you, have you, you know, thought through the plan in order to make sure that if everybody does play ball, that they do get the result? Because sometimes people don't get the result, but it's because we haven't done the pre-thinking um, or what um, Ray Dalio would call a pre-mortem, um, you know, where you actually look at, you know, what, what would, ha rather than a post-mortem, because we often assess projects and their efficiency post-project as opposed mm. to you know, pre-project. So, you know, have you done a pre-mortem as Ray Dalio would call it in his book principles? Um, and do you know what needs to happen in order for the outcome to be met? And have you considered all the parties that need to play? Also, what are the rules of the game for all the parties that need to play? So in my case, with this breakthrough, this professional breakthrough that we do, I design the tasking and the assignments that the clients do between sessions, knowing that if they do them, then they will get the result. And that, and we actually do it. I actually offer a money back guarantee on what I do with that. So I have to be sturdy and know that if I give these tasks, that the outcome will be achieved, right? Mm -hmm. The second thing is, is that I need to communicate the frames to the client and anyone else who might be involved in that. So sometimes a company will enlist me to do a breakthrough with one of their team members, in which case then the party that's going to be supporting them in the workplace needs to be across what the tasking is. So yeah, right. that clear how to support them and that they can get that outcome so have I communicated to all parties involved as well as um, have I, have I set the criteria correctly for them to know what can happen and what doesn't? Now, it, it might be that it's very difficult to enforce a consequence or a reward when someone hasn't been communicated that. So, you know, often we will enforce a consequence. Take, take variations in a scope of works project, right? So often people will get bills. In fact, I've got a client at the moment in WA, um, did a project with um, a, a software company building some software for them, and they've just received a bill for $58,000 worth of variations for last month. And mm. there was no communication about that. And, um, you know, we're chatting about that at the moment in terms of what was specified, what wasn't, what was in the contract, the prereqs, the kickoff, all of that sort of thing. So, you know, often if you go back to your client and you just stack them with a bunch of fees and they didn't know the rules of the game then it's really hard for you to be able to clarify that right so it's really about the communication of it and so if there's other parties that didn't play ball if that's if that's the example then did we do the pre-work that we needed to to make sure that we communicated what they needed to do and mm -hmm. what was the consequence of that if they didn't so um you know sometimes 
uh, you know, you can give people all of the rules of the game and all of the frameworks and then they still don't play ball. And that's, you know, that's an, the nature of human behavior. And one of the reasons that I believe that, you know, communicating consequences and rewards for what's in it for the party is so important because if we don't, then, you know, human behavior comes up, we get below the line again with the blame, excuses and denial, you know, I know many of you may have heard that above and below the line principle, sometimes we can get below the line or our clients or other parties can get below the line, if we haven't set the framework correctly from the very beginning. So I hope that helps to answer that question. I think so. Yeah, I've actually, um, one of my questions was a little related to that. So I'll jump into that now. Um, do you ever build in a consequence or a reward that isn't otherwise there? So in some cases, you know, uh, I'm thinking in particular, the potential payoff can be a bit risky. You're not sure whether you're going to get there or um, it might be far off in the future and you want something more tangible. Do you ever build your own consequences or rewards in, into, uh, into this? Yeah, absolutely. Do you mean in the con in context with yourself or with the project with, with someone else? Yeah. Or yeah, I was thinking with a team. So you say, yeah, might say, oh, well, look, let's say a marketing team. Sometimes the, the benefits of the actions they do now are a long way away. So yeah. do, you, do you ever build something in that's a bit more tangible now? Yeah, 100%. And, you know, this would be very relevant for a lot of people who, you know, work on long-term projects. I imagine we've got a few mm -hmm. of those people listening in here. You know, if you've got a project that's going to roll out over two years or three years sometimes, then, you know, having a reward that's three years down the track is a bit hard for people to keep their eye on while they're going through the day-to-day. -day. So this is where milestones are really important. So I would absolutely look at things that you can build into the process that allow, like, for example, I, I mentioned the sales manager as one of the examples before how he set this up with the team right yep. and um, you know he had a very a very important intention for himself which was to make sure that his team were efficient they were on time that they were getting their paperwork in that their CRM yep. was being updated regularly etc so that was his outcome but he, the outcome for the team was about fun it was about cohesion it was about getting better results being in a better state of mind pumping them up you know having something other than just aiming for their annual budget you know because if a salesperson's doing the same thing day in, day out for 12 months and their only guideline or their only reward or consequence is the target, that, that the number that they achieve at the end of the year or that they miss at the end of the year, then it's hard to stay on track. So what he did was he mm. built that little milestone rewards, you know, each quarter or, you know, whatever it may be where they'd have these little competitions right. with consequences and rewards. So I hope that helps. Peter, does that answer the question? Yeah, yeah it does. Yeah, it's good. Awesome. Um, all right, we've got two more, which we should be able to rattle through. One is um, regarding uh, how this relates to a specific tool from Theory of Constraints. Now, obviously, that's well, maybe not obviously. That's what they are sort of background. Yeah. yeah. Um, so I'll quick, I'll quickly answer that. That'd be um, great. As you know, I have some yeah. knowledge of it, but I imagine that it's nowhere near your level of knowledge. So <laughs> uh, I'd love to hand that one over to you, Peter. <laughs> All right, good. Uh, I would say. In relation to the strategy and tactic tree, it's somewhat similar to the strategy and tactic part in that you have a effect you're going for and then obviously a tactics to achieve it. What I would say the strategy and tactic tree from Theory of Constraints is missing that this has is adding in the relevance of due dates to individual things um, and the relevance of the, the consequence and reward, which is um, missing, I suppose, entirely from the, the strategy and tactic tree. So a little bit, the structure's there um, but I would say this is far more useful in an actual application to, to teams and people to, to do something with as opposed to a strategic document, I suppose, that, that plans things out. Yeah, absolutely. And if I can add something, it's kind of like that that whole strategy. Sometimes when you use the uh, the strategy tree, you can end up in loops if um, if if there's you know multiple decisions available. What, as you rightly said, having the deadlines and the outcomes actually gives you almost like an endpoint that allows you to you know close something off. So that's mm. another added benefit, I suppose. Yeah. 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 Nice. All right, and last one here. Does does the framing method work in all circumstances and specifically with in individuals that are smart but not necessarily team players? <laughs> awesome question. Thank you so much. Um, so, so does it work with everybody? So, yes, and let me preface that with a little caveat, if I can, please. Um, humans, uh, if we've got any Matrix fans, I'm a diehard Matrix fan. <laughs> 
I just love it, right? So if you remember that scene with the architect where he goes through how they've been through the matrix several times and it never works, it always collapses on itself. The reason that it collapses on itself is choice, right? And so as human beings, we have choices and we have what we call in hypnosis free will, right? So no one can control your behavior unless you're allowing them to persuade you to follow their instructions. So this is one of the, the wonderful things and also one of the limitations is that we can't make anybody do anything that they don't want to do. And I'll, I'll use this example. So um, my book, Confident Closing, originally I actually wanted to call it Feeding Salt to Horses. And we've all heard the saying that you can lead a horse to water, but you can't make a drink, right? So the premise of the book is about if we feed the horses salt, by the time we show them the water, they're going to be thirsty and they're going to drink because they want to. So this method allows you to create a platform where you find the salt for your team members as in like most of the time when people don't play like if they're really intelligent and they're really you know great operators and and you know you love having them because they're an asset to the outcomes but they cause a whole lot of problems for your team members because they just don't play well with others then one as a leader you have a choice around you know is it worthwhile allowing them because remember people have different learning styles is it worthwhile allowing them to you know operate autonomously and communicate with one person around their progress that's an option uh, the other way of doing it is to actually find out what is their why and and why would they want to be involved in the team and then use framing to be able to set a platform like the sales manager that I was telling you did to get everybody invested in doing all of their little KPIs and their action items, mm -hmm. he created fun around it. So if you can find out what is the why for that one person that perhaps not not is, is not the team player and then create either a game or a little mini project or an incentive of some sort, utilizing framing for outcomes, then you might have a better option to do that. So use the framing for outcomes tool as the salt that you feed to the horses. And then rather than forcing them to try and do something, you're creating a need for them, a desire for them to actually play and participate. So I hope that answers the question for that that wonderful person who put that in the chat there. <laughs> oh, thank you. Thank you. All right. Well, that's us. So uh, thank you very much for coming along and, and talking to us today. I've, I know I've got a lot out of it. And uh, as I've mentioned, and I don't think I mentioned today on the call, but in the, in the sort of build up, um, I'll be having a go with this tool and I'll, I'll write it up so that anybody who participates can at least see my uh, sort of desperate first attempt at using it. <laughs> Well, that's awesome. I really like to encourage everybody to use it. It really is such a simple tool. Um, and I think that you'll find even if you only did it to like 50% because you just learned it, you'd still get a better outcome than perhaps maybe how, how you've been doing it to date. And it's not to say that you haven't been doing it well. What I know from the experience and working with thousands of people with this tool is that everybody always misses one area or they're light on on one area. So even if you only use it to 50%, you'll probably highlight that area you've been missing and get a better outcome anyway. So, yeah. Nice. All right. Thank you. And uh, all the, the recording and the, and the slides and everything will be, will be coming out um, in the next day or so. So you'll all get that. And of course, uh, anybody that's registered will get that as well. So thank you once again. Thank you. Thanks for having me, everybody. Have a wonderful day and go out there and frame those outcomes. <laughs> Thanks again. Bye for now.